Why this topic? Why this topic? Well, not so long ago, if a Christian came to me and said, should I be partaking of recreational marijuana? I would say, well, what's the law say? Oh, it's illegal. Okay, the Bible tells us that we're to obey the laws of the land unless they're asking us to uh, disobey God, and he's not, nowhere does he tell us we need to uh, partake, so don't do it. Well, that's changed, right? It is, if you're 21 or older here in Alaska, you may now uh, partake recreationally of marijuana, and so I can't get off the hook that easily as a pastor, right? I now have to wrestle with those uh, deeper questions of, well, is it all right for a Christian to get high? Uh, and even if I'm not using myself, can I make money by selling it? Uh, and what about the whole voting? Uh, do I need to vote in order to limit it, or should we just do like we do with alcohol, allow it to be available and leave it up to the individual to decide? So all these questions that I have, uh, frankly, not thought through uh, sufficiently in the past, and I knew I needed to as a pastor here in Alaska, and so I signed myself up for this apologetics conference and assigned myself this topic uh, and have been studying since then. Now, th the scope of what I'm talking about today is limited. It's very important that we understand I'm talking about recreational marijuana use. I'm not talking about medical marijuana use, and um, I haven't studied sufficiently to talk about that, uh, and those are two very different things. Uh, it does seem to me, though, that we allow, you know, I, I don't know of any Christian thinker who says it's wrong to have morphine in the hospital or that prescription opioids uh, properly administered are uh, off limits. However, we have to be careful, right, with all those things. They can be abused, they can lead to addiction, and so um, if you're going to partake of medical marijuana, make sure you do it under the oversight of a medical professional. Follow the instructions so that it's done safely. But today I'm talking about uh, you, you're not trying to manage your pain. You're, you're wanting a high. And so you're wanting to uh, choose to partake recreationally of marijuana. Is that acceptable? Well, First off, the Bible does not specifically talk about marijuana, but that doesn't mean that it says nothing uh, that we can apply to this topic. There's a lot the Bible says that we can apply to this question. Now, some Christians uh, who are excited about marijuana, uh, they will point to Genesis chapter 1, verse 29, and they say, doesn't this verse give you know, open season on recreational marijuana? And here's what we read. God is speaking to Adam and Eve, and he says, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that's on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. And so, aha! Marijuana is a seed-bearing plant, so why can't we partake? It seems like God has, right here, given us authorization. Well, couple of things. Uh, number one, who eats marijuana? You know, are, is it really for food? And then uh, also, this, um, God was speaking to Adam and Eve prior to the fall when they were in the garden. And my assumption is there were no poisonous plants at that time. But now, 
there are some seed-bearing plants that are, in fact, poisonous. Uh, so, for example, uh, Ricinus communis, which is from which we get the castor bean oil. Well, the beans are highly toxic. Two or three beans will kill a child. Eight beans will kill an adult. And so, I, I, it's not enough to just say, it's a seed-bearing plant, go for it. You have to ask the question, what's the effect, right? Uh, what effect it's going to have. And if it's a good effect, awesome. If it's a bad effect, probably should stay away from it. So what is the effect of using recreational marijuana? And there, I'm going to talk about some short-term effects and some long-term effects. The short-term effects, uh, take them from the state of Alaska's website on marijuana use. Now, these are effects that have been experienced by some people but not everyone experiences all of these things. But here are some of the short-term effects. Number one, a happy, relaxed, or high feeling. It's probably the primary reason people would, uh, would use it. And what is happening here is that uh, marijuana contains a chemical called uh, THC, tetrahydrocannabinol, and um, when you smoke marijuana or you extract the THC and put it in a food product, it, is, um, it affects the receptors in your brain, changes the chemistry of your brain, and gives you a high feeling. Number two, slower reactions. Three, dizziness. Four, trouble thinking, learning, and remembering. Five, confusion anxiety, panic, or paranoia, fast heart rate, 20 to 100% increase, can last as long as three hours, increased blood pressure, less interest in normal activities, hunger, the munchies, dry mouth, red eyes, and rarely psychosis, seeing or hearing things that are not real. So those are some uh, some of the possible short-term effects. Now, long-term effects. This comes from the Center for Disease Control. Uh, number one, it may affect your mental health. Marijuana users are significantly more likely than non-users to develop long-lasting mental disorders, including schizophrenia, a type of mental illness where people might see or hear things that aren't really there. Uh, secondly, your thinking might be distorted. Marijuana use, especially frequent, which is defined here as daily or near daily use, and use in high doses can cause disorientation, sometimes causes unpleasant thoughts or feelings of anxiety and paranoia. Uh, number three, you might get hooked. One out of ten adults get hooked. And if you're uh, an adolescent, it goes to one in six. Number four, it may impair your brain. When marijuana users begin using as teenagers, the drug may reduce attention, memory, learning functions, and affect how the brain builds connections between areas necessary for those functions, and it can actually last. Number five, it, it might hurt your lungs. Smoking it has uh, similar risks as smoking tobacco. Uh, number six, it may ease your pain and other symptoms. And so here's the uh, medical marijuana use. There is limited evidence that marijuana works to treat most types of chronic pain. 
And a few studies have found that marijuana can be helpful in treating neuropathic pain, pain caused by damaged nerves. Number seven, you, you may get poisoned. This is a, especially a danger with edibles because um, when, you, when you smoke it, uh, within about 15 minutes, you're feeling its effect. When you, when you extract the THC and put it in a food product, it'll take up to four hours for you to be feeling the full effects of the THC, which makes it easier to overdose because you're, you're eating, you're not feeling an effect, so you eat some more, and then when it hits you, bam, and you're, you're going to the hospital feeling poisoned. But unlike alcohol, you can't overdose and die from this. Uh, it may hurt your heart, number eight. Using marijuana makes the heart beat faster. It can increase your risk of stroke and heart disease. Number nine, it, intens it intensifies alcohol's dangers. You don't mix alcohol and marijuana, or if you do, then uh, you have a, a greater risk of impairment. And finally, your newborn might be harmed. Some of the potential long-term health effects to babies who are exposed to marijuana during pregnancy or while breastfeeding include decreased growth, decreased IQ scores, decreased mental function, decreased academic ability, and attention problems. All right, now Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew tells us that the quality of a tree can be known from the quality of its fruit. If the fruit is good, the tree is undoubtedly good. If the fruit is bad, the tree is undoubtedly bad. Matthew 7, 15, we read, uh, 17, we read, even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but, has, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits, you'll know them. Now, Jesus is talking here about how to uh, identify a, a good teacher of the word versus a false teacher. But this principle can be applied uh, more broadly. Uh, you look at the fruit and, to determine the quality of the tree. And so I have to ask, you know, what, what is the fruit of recreational marijuana use? The fruit is uh, overwhelmingly negative. It's overwhelmingly bad, uh, which causes me to conclude that, well, if the fruit is bad, what does that mean about the tree? What does it mean about recreational marijuana use? And does God really want the people who bear his name to be associated with, partaking of, making money off of, uh, or, or endorsing um, such, such, uh, something with such negative effects? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, we're told, walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. Can that be said of the uh, fruit of marijuana use? And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. That's what we're trying to do today. We're trying to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Lord, is it, is it right and good for me to be partaking recreationally of marijuana? Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. All right, a second biblical principle that applies to our topic of whether or not it's right for Christians to 
partake recreationally of marijuana is the biblical command to be sober-minded. Six times in the Bible, we are commanded to be sober-minded. And I'm going to just read three of those for sake of time. First um, Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the re- revelation of Jesus Christ. First Peter 5, 8. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And 1 Thessalonians 5, 6 through 8. So then, let us not sleep as others do. Obviously metaphorical. But let us keep awake and be sober. Same word in the Greek. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober. And here, a soberness is contrasted with drunkenness. Having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. So what does it mean to be sober-minded? To be sober-minded is to live in the real. Live in reality. Truth is that which corresponds with reality. And the more that we live in the real... The, the more that our relationships are based in reality and our worldview is based in reality and our self-perception is based in reality, the healthy, healthy, healthier we are spiritually. And so somber-mindedness is a, a high calling, a very important ingredient to a holy, healthy spiritual life. Live in reality. This is important because living in reality produces health on all levels. The evil one is the father of lies. The evil one is seeking to get distort our reality. He's calling us into his distorted reality. And if we go into that, uh, it hurts us on all levels. It damaging us, damages us spiritually. And so a question is does recreational marijuana use promote sobriety? Does it pr- promote sober-mindedness in the Christian? That was rhetorical, but in case you're wondering, I think the answer is no. <laughs> now, now, in the New Testament, when the Bible, you know, when the apostles are around and they're talking and they're writing to us about the importance of being sober-minded... A primary threat to sober-mindedness was drinking too much alcohol, right? And, and so we shouldn't be surprised that the Bible many times says, don't get drunk. Don't drink so much alcohol that you, uh, are, you have diminished control over your mind and body. Here are a couple of scriptures uh, prohibiting drunkenness. Galatians chapter 5 Verse 19, now, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. By the way, we're not supposed to be doing any of these things. We're supposed to be getting these things out of our lives. And then drunkenness. 
orgies and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Ephesians 5.18, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Right? What's the will of the Lord? You've got a short period of time on earth. You want to make the best use of it? it do that doesn't include drunkenness. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And so what's drunkenness? It is the, the state of being intoxicated, uh, which means you have a diminished control over your mind and body. And so the, the Bible is very clear. Drinking alcohol to the point of intoxication is sinful. And it's not just sinful if it's habitual. It's not, the Bible doesn't just say it's not good to be the town drunk. It's saying a single instance of handing over control of, of yourself to anyone other than the Holy Spirit or anything other than the Holy Spirit is sinful. And it's not just sinful because of what you might do when you're drunk. It's wrong because it pulls you out of the realm of sober-mindedness and brings you into a, a realm of, um, of intoxication. So how do we apply that to uh, marijuana? Pretty directly. Um, the, let me talk about the hermeneutic of analogy. Hermeneutic is simply a, um, a principle for how to interpret and apply the Bible. James Gustafson, in his article, The Place of Scripture in Christian Ethics, writes this. Those actions of persons and groups are judged to be morally wrong, which are similar to actions that are judged to be wrong or against God's will under similar scriptures in, uh, circumstances in Scripture. So it's this simple. Since it's sinful to become intoxicated by alcohol, it is also sinful to become intoxicated by marijuana. Okay, so if the... If the result of recreational marijuana use is you become intoxicated, uh, then it is, it is a sinful act biblically. That raises the question, can you recreationally use marijuana and not be intoxicated, intoxicated not get high? Some more facts about marijuana. So marijuana is a plant and it is sometimes referred to as the cannabis plant, which contains uh, about 113 different chemical compounds, uh, one of which is this tetracannabinol, THC. And THC is the, it is the ingredient which makes you high, and that is different from what I gather, although I didn't research enough on CBD. But CBD, a lot of the medical marijuana products are made out of um, if it doesn't have THC, it doesn't have the get-you-high uh, property from what I gather. People use marijuana in one of three ways predominantly. Uh, number one, smoking, and you can smoke a joint or uh, with a bong, or you can vaporize it and, and uh, vape it. 
You can eat it, so you extract the THC from the plant, and then you put it into gummy bears, and um, these are ideas. I don't think I put these in your notes. Aha, jeez, I'm sorry. Uh, and uh, cookies and brownies and then pretzels and things like that. And then, there are, then the third way is uh, you drink it. So you extract the THC, you put it in tinctures, creams, oils, and uh, their tea and honey and stuff like that, and you drink it. And smoking, the effects hit you within about 10, 15 minutes, but eating, it takes up to four hours, and the effects can last with you for, um, depending on how much you have taken, 10 up to 18 hours. It is hard to predict the effect that marijuana will have on a person because every person reacts differently. Some people do build up a, um, a level of tolerance for it. And because of the fact that there are so many different chemical compounds that mix and match, it's hard to know how it's going to hit you. Uh, one guy writes this, marijuana can vary in its potency or strength depending on the plant and extraction process. And so that's, I get this a lot. <clears throat> Mike, uh, if it's okay to drink a glass of wine at a wedding, why can't I smoke a joint with my buddies around the campfire? What's the difference? Right? It's the alcohol-marijuana analogy. So let me talk about that. Marijuana is different from alcohol, in the fact that unlike alcohol, there appears to be no practical way to partake of marijuana without becoming intoxicated or high. Okay? With alcohol, there, there is a land before intoxication that many people can hang out in. Now, there are many Christians who say, I don't touch alcohol because I don't want to run any risk that I'm going to get drunk, and I also don't want to... Um, be a stumbling block to other people. And if that's you, then God bless you. Way to go. And you're probably not wrestling with whether or not to partake of marijuana. <laughs> but for the rest of us, um, there is, with alcohol, there is this land before intoxication that, you know, you can hang out. And, and some would argue, you know, it's, the Bible doesn't prohibit that. In fact, a lot of Christians would argue that. And so, a little bit about that. In most, so what does it take to be intoxicated? In, in most U.S. states, the legal definition of intoxication typically decur, occurs, depending on pacing, how often you're drinking, or how frequently, after four drinks for the average sized woman or five for the average sized Man, and a standard drink is conventionally defined as the alcohol content of a 12-ounce 5% beer or a 5-ounce 12% glass of wine or uh, half a shot of 40% alcohol. Okay, so you got a weak beer. Uh, based on that, I should, drink, I should be able to drink about three beers over the course of a couple hours and, and not be intoxicated. And why would I do that, right? Why would a Christian ever do that? Well, maybe, maybe you think that uh, the wine makes your food taste better. Um, and some Christians will argue that there are psychoactive effects of alcohol that are legitimate prior to intoxication, which might be what Psalm 104, 14 is talking about. 
uh, when he, God says, or the psalmist says, you have caused the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine to gladden the heart of man. So it, it does seem that there are some psychoactive effects of alcohol that, can, that are, um, you can partake of prior to ever being intoxicated and thus many Christians will say that's legit for a Christian. But there is, here's, now I'm getting to my point, and my point is, uh, there is no land before intoxication that exists with recreational marijuana use, not in any practical sense. So according to the state of Alaska, five milligrams will cause impairment in somebody who's not used to marijuana. So if you're a first-time user, if I were to go do this, which I did not do in preparation. <laughs> Five milligrams will, in, will impair me. I shouldn't be driving, riding a bike, some other things. And if I'm an occasional user, according to the state of Colorado, 10 milligrams for the occasional user. And it goes up a little bit more if you're a frequent user, but, you know, not indefinitely. So how much is that? How much is 5 milligrams? How much is 10 milligrams? Well, the LA Times has a very helpful web page where you can type in the type of marijuana product you're planning to use and see how much THC it contains. Uh, when I say 5 and 10 milligrams, that's of, of the THC. Okay, so I did this, and I have it up here on the screen. The average American joint uh, contains 0.3 grams of marijuana. And if you smoke it, you will inhale 12 milligrams of THC, which uh, for me, twice as much as I would, I would want, need, nope, that's even the wrong word. <laughs> it's just twice the dose, and I'm impaired. If you smoke it as a bong, it's 13 milligrams of THC you'll inhale. If you vaporize it, 17 milligrams. Huh. So I can't. I can't smoke a joint without being intoxicated. Well, I'll eat a gummy bear. One gummy bear, and so remember they extract THC and they put it into a gummy bear. One gummy bear contains 25 milligrams of THC. So I could eat one-fifth of a, of a gummy bear, maybe. Then one teaspoon of honey, a teaspoon, that's tiny. One teaspoon of THC-infused honey, eight milligrams. Uh, and, ah, here's one. One pretzel, 0 0.09, tiny little pretzel. I could have a pretzel because it's 3.33 milligrams of THC. If you wish to define recreational marijuana use as eating a tiny pretzel, maybe, maybe. But if you're going to go for the milk chocolate bar, 200 milligrams of THC, 200. That's 20 times... Or 40 times for me, 40 times. And remember, it doesn't kick in for four hours, right? So you're munching on your milk chocolate bar, feeling great, and four hours later, you are high. <laughs> and then the brownie. The brownie is 250 milligrams of THC. Watch out for the brownies. So, my conclusion here is that in, in theory, although in theory it's possible to use marijuana recreationally without becoming intoxicated and thus entering the land of sin, 
In practice, this seems impossible. I don't see how in practice uh, this is possible. Final biblical principle uh, I want to relate to today's question. Is, Is the biblical principle that we are to better ourselves in the world around us? In Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, we are given the creation mandate, the cultural mandate. Go out and fill and subdue and rule the earth. Better the world. Take what I've given you and make it a better place. In Matthew chapter 20, not Matthew chapter 20, in, uh, yeah, Matthew 28, 18, we're given the Great Commission. Go into all the world, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. That's a commission. That's it. You got to get, you got to be out there being active, doing. And then there's the stewardship principle. And the stewardship principle is uh, Jesus tells us that uh, at the end of the days, God's going to say, What did you, what use did you make of the talents I gave you? Time, energy, and gifting. And did you bury it or did you uh, capitalize on it? And we want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and enter my rest. We do not want to hear, depart from me, you wicked, lazy servant. I never knew you. Okay? Now, in 1968, a researcher by the name of D.E. Smith coined the term amotivational syndrome to denote the diminished desire to work and compete uh, in uh, young people who frequently use marijuana. Amotivational syndrome. Uh, Smith was trying to put a researcher's explanation to why a bag of potato chips, a couch, and the TV remote are also uh, often associated with marijuana use. According to Wikipedia, amotivational syndrome is characterized by detachment, okay, an emotional detachment, blunted emotion, blunted drives, and executive functions like memory and attention are impaired. It's primarily associated with long-term effects of cannabis use. Now, since 1968, there have been a lot of studies done to um, test Smith's claim, and as of today, the, the, the data is inconclusive. So in fairness, I want to say that. It has not, uh, the data doesn't prove it, and it doesn't disprove it. So this one I go into with a if it's true. If it's true that frequent long-term use of marijuana products diminishes drive, diminishes ambition, diminishes uh, your, your um, drive to be and do, be your best and better the world around you, then to me, that seems to be choosing to erect an obstacle to participating in the Great Commission, the Great uh, Cultural Mandate, and I don't know how that is good stewardship of the gifts that God has given us. So my conclusion. Conclusion is summarizing, and I've actually written this for you in the back of your notes. In conclusion, I, I have concluded that recreational use of marijuana is unwise, at a minimum, it's unwise, 
for four reasons. Number one, the results of recreational marijuana use are overwhelmingly negative. Uh, I also looked into what are the societal effects. Uh, in particular, I was looking at Colorado because it was the first state to legal, legalize recreational marijuana, and I think that went legal in end of 2014. The data is just not, there's just not enough data to make definitive statements. So I'll let you look around. Uh, well, over time the data will come out on that. But the, rec the results are overwhelmingly negative. God tells us that a tree can be known by its fruit. It seems unlikely that God would approve of Christians participating in something that produces such negative effects or results. That's my argument one. Number two, using marijuana recreationally does not promote sober-mindedness, which Christians are to maintain at all times because sober-mindedness produces health. Recreational marijuana use risks making it easier for the evil one to distort our view of reality. Number three, recreational marijuana use almost certainly produces intoxication, and the Bible forbids the Christian from ever being intoxicated, not just because we might do something bad when intoxicated, but because of the calling to remain self-controlled and sober-minded. And then finally, if frequent long-term marijuana use does in fact dec decrease one's drive to better the world and oneself, then using marijuana recreationally is choosing to erect an obstacle to engaging in the cultural mandate and the Great Commission. That doesn't sound like good stewardship of one's God-given talents.